This is Misinfo Weekly, a somewhat weekly program about misinformation in our time. Misinfo Weekly is a collaboration between the School of Complex Adaptive Systems, the School of Social and Behavioral Sciences, and the Unit for Data Science and Analytics at Arizona State University Library. Hello and welcome. It is Wednesday, November 16th, 2022. Sean, midterm elections were quite an event. Yeah, they were. They didn't necessarily go as some of the polls and media predicted, but that doesn't necessarily mean that the mis and disinformation that was swirling about is gone, right? Yeah, I mean, I think we saw in the polls a projection for very, very tight races. I don't know if this outcome was foreseen by a lot of folks in terms of you know the so-called red wave not really happening in a lot of different elections. But yeah, certainly no shortage of conspiracy theories circulating after the election. So you've been monitoring 8chan and Parler and other platforms, right? And we're, we're finding that those narratives around the stolen election are still circulating, although the kind of the media coverage of those have changed a little bit, right? Yeah, I mean, I think, I think in the immediate aftermath, now we live in Arizona, and our governor's race, I think, features maybe the last election denier standing in terms of someone who, you know, a high profile situation where they're considering lawsuits to, to try to trigger some sort of recount or evaluation of the election. In Arizona, there's certainly no shortage of conspiracy theories about the election being stolen by some sort of nefarious means by tampering with the ballots. And I think while there was a burst of those kinds of complaints surrounding election day, for the most part, at least in terms of mainstream coverage, those started to fall off and candidates started to concede. Well, we saw those narratives kind of change and adapt to the environment over time. So for example, Carrie Lake, who was a Republican running for governor in Arizona, over time, her narrative changed from the stolen election to, I'm going to win eventually. It's just that in Maricopa County, they're purposely releasing numbers that are trying to embarrass me, but eventually I will come out successful. So that we see these narratives adapting and changing to the environment, not necessarily kind of staying static. Yeah, yeah. And I think you saw a lot of spaghetti against the wall kind of approaches because, you know, there was one conspiracy that was circulating around some of the alt tech social media platforms that was alleging that Fox News accidentally let the cat out of the bag weeks earlier in advance of the election and that there's a, a graphic of them calling the election far too early. Again, trying to create this idea that the election is rigged. Then there's this idea that somehow what happened at the at the polling locations was nefarious and that many people's votes were never counted or thrown out. And then there's still the kind of pervasive myth of, of kind of ballot muling. And all of this kind of rolled together, yeah, creates this kind of conspiracy soup that I think candidates can draw from and see gaze into it and see whatever they want to justify a kind of continued political viability. Well, I think if we take a moment, it is interesting to see the response to some of the mis and disinformation surrounding election day, specifically here in where we are in Phoenix, in Tempe, in Maricopa County. The 
there were some issues with ballot scanners. So in our process, if you vote the day of the election, you vote in person, a ballot is printed for you, and then you fill out that ballot, and then you run that through a scanner machine, and it gets counted at the polling location. And there was an error with the, the printers. They weren't printing the ballots dark enough. So some of the scanners couldn't scan those ballots. And then in that case, it was put in the same counting buckets for as those that were dropping off ballots that they had filled out at home, and then it would get counted at central counting. And so a narrative kind of emerged around that saying, we'll see your votes aren't being counted. They're trying to prevent you from from voting because these ballots aren't scanning. And the county, the Board of Supervisors, like quickly put together and recorded a video explaining what the problem was, explaining how they fixed the problem, and explaining that your ballots will just be counted later this afternoon when they come into the central counting. So it's interesting how proactive they were during this election versus the previous election where they were sort of less proactive about the mis- and disinformation. Yeah, well, speaking of proactive, so were the conspiracy theories. You know, we've been talking about how there are a lot of conspiracy theories that, you know, they're not necessarily contradictory. But again, you know, there's this idea that there's ballot mules. So we're going to be stuffing ballot boxes with, you know, possibly, you know, fake votes or having somebody break the process by representing more than one person. Then we have this idea of people who aren't actually voters getting votes through mail-in ballots. These are not mutually exclusive, but they're different, slightly different ideas of rigging the election. Then there's the idea of the media releasing early lead for Hobbes to try to depress turnout for Republicans. Then there's this idea that the machines aren't going to count your vote anyway, which is kind of where you're talking about right now, Sean. And so, you know, I voted in person this year. I waited in line. I had to submit my identification and, you know, get my ballot printed. I waited in another line and it was super awkward after I voted. I put it in the scanner and it didn't go through. And then I tried to put it through three or four more times. It didn't go through. So I had to put it in a metal box. And I understand why if somebody was, you know, told something like, hey, you can't trust any of these systems. This is all rigged. That might feel like a trash can you're putting your ballot into. And in fact, many people made that comment on site when I was there uh, asking the volunteers, is my vote even going to matter? Is it even going to be counted? Do these machines count my votes? You know, if I put this in a box, is it even going to count? Uh, These kinds of questions indicate that there was a lot of preparation or that voters were prepared to mistrust the elections early and often. So even though there was kind of proactive activity uh, on behalf of everyone running the election, there was certainly proactive activity to prime voters to be mistrustful of this entire process. It's interesting because I was the opposite. I filled out my ballot at home just because I like to spend time doing research and, and such because I think some of the ballot issues are complex. And I, you know, put it in my envelope, sealed it, signed it. And then I just walked up to a polling place and they said, you know, I had showed them my ballot and they said, just put it in this bucket here. This is probably a very similar the sealed middle box where you put your ballot. And I just dropped it in and walked away. But I was not primed. The softening of the ground here. I think is really important. It, this is this is a long game. This isn't you know just all right. Let's prepare everyone in an hour. This is this is a long game that is going to this thread will go through multiple elections. And so just because we see some of these candidates that were big purveyors right of mis and disinformation around you know stating the election was stolen, just because those folks have conceded, that doesn't mean that 
this missing disinformation is going to come up in sort of new adapted forms than it was. This doesn't mean it's over. Yeah, I agree. And one thing that has been interesting, and on the one hand, it's on the short term, it's a relief to have election denying candidates by and large concede when the math shows that the race is over or that their given race is over. On the other hand, there is a kind of emerging consistency in in reporting on these elections that election deniers didn't do well and most election deniers are conceding. Therefore, you know, some of this is starting to simmer down a little bit. And I think that your point is really important here to that to that idea, right? That this is, you know, a tide coming out. Or I think you know, you and I when we talk about this, we think about this as a tide going out rather than, you know, everything is going to be dry forever. And that that tide very well could come back in. And, you know, just just looking on, you know, the kind of discourse, not necessarily, you know, not on Twitter and Facebook, but on some of these other platforms, right, or what we would call alt tech, places like Parler and Gab and 4chan and 8kun and even the .win communities. You know, these are all places where conversations about ballots and about stolen elections or even, you know, response by militia are happening. And so even though it might not be happening in full view on on the new Twitter or in full view on Facebook or, you know, running on in cable news, you still have plenty of conversations on these other platforms. And some of the some of the media, the online media outlets that fueled the January 6th insurrection in terms of stoking the rhetoric and, and being some of those domain names that ended up being source material for a ton of different conspiracy theories and furor. We're seeing those come back as well. Some of the sites that we looked at, you know, I don't want to list the specific websites here, but you know the, the idea that somehow the Biden administration is laundering money through crypto and Ukrainian aid to bolster Democratic candidates, right? That came from a source that we recognize very well that had a part to play in the January 6th attack. So yeah, back to your point. It's very important to see that we are changing shape. But the problem of election denial, these conspiracy theories about totally corrupt government, they're not going away. And there are some folks that peddle in conspiracy theories that are part of Congress, that are part of the state legislatures, that are governors. Those folks, some of them were up for re-election, some of them were not. And it's interesting, we see kind of challenges to leadership by Arizona representative for the House, right, Andy Biggs, as well as as Rick Scott. And those are folks that often have peddled in some mis- and disinformation around COVID and potentially the election. So those folks haven't gone anywhere. And I think it's naive of us to think that they're going to completely change their tactics around election mis- and disinformation and such. I think NPR had a piece this morning where they interviewed some voters about Trump and it's it's not you know the kind of upshot of some of these conversations was not that that they didn't like Trump but that at this point they want a winner and they don't think Trump can win and i think that encapsulates a very important distinction between election outcomes and what conspiracies and misinformation actually represent about what's going on that even if people are not voting for specific candidates or even if enthusiasm for specific candidates isn't there. That doesn't mean that some of the fundamental sentiments about distrust 
in institutions, it doesn't mean that some of these resentments and some of the rage has gone away. And so you might have some voters thinking very practically, but that doesn't mean that some of the resentments and kind of virulent ideologies are going anywhere right now. Back to this idea of there being a long game. I think that's a really important point that just because folks have been strategic in a certain way, that doesn't necessarily mean that they've turned their back on some of this mis and disinformation that they happen to believe. And also think the next election is a ways away, right? And a lot can happen in between now and the next election. Our memories are fairly bad. And, you know, we saw escalation of the conflict in Ukraine yesterday, even though, you know, NATO is saying that there was a the Russian missile that entered Poland was most likely, at this moment in time, they're saying was most likely deflected into Poland by the anti-missile systems in Ukraine, That's that still comes into play, right? We saw that mentioned in Trump's announcement last night. He kind of pointed towards, you know, there was no war under my presidency, but there's a war under Biden's presidency. Look at this, right? So that's like a twist of that. So there is a lot of fodder for mis- and disinformation here that just because some folks may be surprised by how the predictions didn't come true, that doesn't mean all of this content is not in play in different ways over the next two years. Yes. And, you know, Trump announcing his candidacy is a, is a big point here, right? Because uh, Trump was a big source of misinformation when he was on Twitter and, and kind of participating in some of these platforms with a ton of reach. I think that, you know, when, when conservative voters are saying things like, and th- these are these are posts on Parler, right? Like I followed Parler after immediately after the midterms, and you, you know you kind of had people split in their opinions about Trump. Some would say, you know, we're doubling down. Gifts and and other kinds of memes about people in militia gear saying it's time to time to punish the Democrats, or I'll never forgive the Democrats for this kind of stuff. And then other people who are saying, look, Trump's a, Trump only thinks about himself, and I think Trump Trump isn't a winner anymore. And I think irrespective of that decision being split or of that of the sentiment being split about Trump. I don't think that changes the kind of fundamental assumptions and distrusts that this misinformation has been using as a growth medium over the years. And so even if people are lukewarm on Trump, you know, we are still in a situation where those preconditions for misinformation or you know, as you were saying, the, the soil is still kind of softened, right? The ground is softened here. And so just because Trump might have mixed reception among conservatives when they're thinking about trying to figure out how to get a candidate in office, that doesn't change the landscape that has been cultivated over the years. And so, you know, paying attention to misinformation and conspiracy theories is even more important now, as you mentioned, because we're in a long game. We're not in a situation where, you know, these kinds of strategies are no longer viable. Well, and to kind of painfully continue your growth crop analogy, just because one election didn't necessarily completely bear the amount of fruit, it didn't yield what we expected, that doesn't mean we can't rotate those crops and create another hybrid of this mis- and disinformation that might be more successful next year. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. And I think the idea of seeing mistrust in elections as something that people can invest in and that it will later pay a dividend is a very important thing. And it might not always pay a dividend. A lot of times, especially around the time of elections, we pay attention to what candidates are saying. 
but it's also very important to pay attention to surrogates. And in these situations, some of the very extreme media outlets that are circulated around some of these alt tech platforms that we trace, what they are saying is just as important as what the candidates are saying, because they are saying things that the candidates cannot and that the candidates can dog whistle, but cannot say out loud. And so even though we are seeing candidates backpedal a little bit in their public remarks about election conspiracy theories, we are still seeing a ratcheting up of election conspiracy theories by these surrogates. And that, I think, also foretells, you know, they're testing the waters in some ways. We kind of release something out, see if we get some traction. If not, we have another surrogate that kind of releases something out. So as, you know, we go back to looking at Parler and some of the alt tech platforms, these can be like greenhouses to test out what's going to be viable. And then what do we release into kind of the larger population or a larger ecosystem? Yeah. And it's not to say that, you know, I, just for, for people listening, it's not like we ever advocate that there's some kind of grand design and that there's one person keeping the greenhouse, right? It's kind of like a community garden where people are bringing stuff in and trying to see what grows. And then, and then we see what takes off from there. To your point, I think it's very important to keep in mind that the misinformation, the lay of the land for misinformation in 2022 is not going to be the same as 2024 and that the rules seem to get rewritten every year or every other year. The lay of the land was not the same in 2020 as 2016. We're not covering necessarily like a specific misinformation thread today, but I think in, in general, it's important for us not to get complacent to think, oh, well, most of the folks that were pushing the narrative that the election was stolen, most of those folks were not successful in their runs. That's just a sort of temporary bump in the road in this sort of longer journey that these these folks that peddle in this are taking. Yeah. And in 2016, the idea of fake news seemed to have a lot of traction and even analytical power. But now, what do you even call this? What do you call an entire ecosystem and set of platforms that are all committed to a set of narratives and conspiracy theories? Somehow the idea of it being a fake article or, or fake news just doesn't quite encapsulate what it is that we're observing as it adapts over time. I mean, an O to go back to just the days of fake news where that was sort of the, the complication was, well, is this a legitimate news source? Is this not a legitimate news source? Versus today, you know, it's become much more complex. Yeah, yeah. And I, more to dig into later, I think, on that. But I think that's a good place to stop for today in our snap response to the midterms. Thanks, everyone, for joining us. We'll talk to you next time. Be thoughtful and be well. Thanks for joining us. For questions or comments, use the email address data science at asu.edu.